Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome back to another episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast. Nolan Cole with you. I'm the digital media specialist at Sport Manitoba. We are now up to 20 episodes on the Sport Manitoba podcast, so thank you very much for listening to another edition. At Sport Manitoba, our focus is on supporting and planning sport programs to promote the development of vibrant citizens, athletes, and communities in Manitoba. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province, with over 65 provincial sport organizations in our building, including Basketball Manitoba, which will be the focus of this episode. All of our previous episodes are available on all the podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Well, many sports and athletes have resumed their training in our building at 145 Pacific Avenue, including some pro basketball players who hail from our province. I'll introduce you to two of these players right after a quick look at some of our messaging and campaigns. At Sport Manitoba, we recognize the crucial role that officials have within sport. Keep an eye out for our No Ref, No Game campaign this year, as we'll be sharing real stories from Manitoba officials and what it's like to be behind the call. Remember to always respect your officials, because without them, there is no game. The Sport Manitoba Fitness Centre is now open with extra safety precautions in place. Our in-person classes now adhere to physical distancing guidelines, and we also now offer virtual classes, virtual personal training, and virtual memberships. To get started, visit sportmanitoba.ca. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at fitkidshealthykids.ca. Six foot five Emily Potter grew up in Winnipeg, attended Glenlaw Collegiate, and went on to play NCAA basketball at the University of Utah, where statistically she was the best female player in that school's history. The 24-year-old has played for the national team at multiple events around the world and is fresh off her first pro season in the Czech Republic. Meanwhile, 28-year-old Jared Ogungbemi Jackson has enjoyed his own success on the court. He'll be entering his sixth professional season in Europe this September with a team in the Dutch Basketball League. The 5'10 point guard from Winnipeg was twice named the Quadruple-A Boys Manitoba Player of the Year while at Garden City Collegiate, winning two provincial titles. With their basketball careers on pause for the past few months, Emily and Jared joined us on the podcast to talk about the sport that has taken them around the world. Here's my conversation with Emily and Jared. So Emily, Jared, thank you both for coming on the podcast today. I want to just start with the last few months because I think sports and athletes across the world have been thrown off by the pandemic, but I know both of your seasons were, were interrupted. Uh, so Emily, maybe we'll just start with you. What have the last few months been like for you since kind of the, the pause in, in, in basketball? Yeah, it's been very different. I don't think I've ever had, nobody's had a time like this right in their life before. Um, I have experienced injuries and, and breaks in basketball before, but never the lack of access to, to places to work out. So I've really had to change and adapt 
um, I work out the last few months at home, but now we're slowly getting back into being at the gym and, and being on the court. And I just, I just kind of feel like a kid at Christmas <laughs> now being able to work out um, and see other people and not just have to work out in my basement by myself. <laughs> what about for you, Jared, the last few months? Yeah, like Em said, uh, I think it's obviously been a challenging time for everybody, not just athletes, but you know, everybody's kind of had some impact in their life, whether work-related, family-related. And uh, personally, um, just seeing our season end was, was kind of a shock to me. Obviously, you never go into a season thinking something like that's going to happen. And uh, I thought we had a chance to potentially um, do some real damage in the playoffs. So it was kind of unfortunate that our season couldn't finish up. But uh, uh, kind of like Em said, too, like I've never had this much time off basketball probably since, I don't know, eight years old. Yeah. Seriously, like there's always yeah. a tournament. There's always maybe two months off, but then you're back to training. So... Um, it's been a hasn't necessarily been a challenge because I always do stuff at home anyways, like in the basement and stuff like that. But uh, not having a gym for three months was was difficult. But I think it was a good thing because I was able to spend a lot more time with my family, more than I probably normally do in the summer. So I really cherish that so far. And you were in Finland last yep. last season, right? So yep. tell me kind of how it how it came to be. And then was it a scramble to get home? Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> crazy. Uh, so we had. Obviously, the corona was starting to, to peel through Europe a little bit, and um, I can't remember what day it was, and my GM just came to me and he said, you know what, like, if you want to start looking for flights to go home, you can, because we don't know if the season's going to get canceled and things like that, and I said, okay. So we started looking for flights, and then, like, a day later, they suspended the season for 10, for 10 days, and I was like, okay, that's already pretty crazy, and then, like, a day later, they canceled the season. So it was just like everything happened very fast. And I was able to, fortunate enough to get some flights. But I was originally supposed to go through Iceland. And when I got to the airport in the morning, that flight was canceled. So I flew to Helsinki. And um, they like, hey, you're going to have to stay here for the whole day. I was like, and fly the next morning. I was like, okay, it's crazy. And the next morning, I was supposed to fly through Munich. I got to the airport. My Munich flight was canceled. And I was like, so should I just start looking for apartments in Europe or, you know? But uh, it took a day, and then I eventually got home and uh, safe and sound. But, yeah, the first day or two was pretty hectic, and you could tell everybody was very anxious about what was going on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy, but thankfully I got home safely. That's the most important. Emily, I was reading about your travel uh, experience a little bit, and I... I, you even wanted the prime minister to send you a plane at one point, didn't you? Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was more of a joke tweet. But just like Jared, I got to the airport in Prague, um, had my flights all booked. I got there and the flight was canceled. And there was nothing online about it being canceled. I was super stressed. And my team was like, okay, like um, we can try again tomorrow, you know, find some other flights. And I said, I'm not leaving this airport unless it's on a plane. <laughs> because things were closing fast. Um, nobody was allowed out of the country. If you were a Czech citizen, you were just foreigners were allowed to go home. So wow. it was a little bit of a scramble. I ended up going through London, spending the night there, and then flying to Toronto and home. So you got home safe and sound. I did, yeah. I Eventually. didn't need the prime minister to come save me, <laughs> but I was prepared. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I guess it was probably a scramble for all your teammates, right? I mean, many of them probably live across the world, right? So just, just trying to get home. In that amount of time, must yeah, be pretty crazy. I, I think Americans were extra stressed. I know my my American teammate because they were talking about closing the borders to absolutely everybody, and wow. it really started to panic people in the middle of the night. My teammate was getting calls like, "Hey, you got to get home by this date," but it was kind of uh, a misconception a little bit. But you know, everyone I know got home safely. 
So Jared, when you did get home, how did you spend your time? Did, were you able to train at home? Did you kind of focus on other aspects of your game? How did you kind of spend your time off? Honestly, like when I first got home, um, I don't know why, but the adrenaline was still in me. I was like, yeah, I just want to still train, still train. And for the first two, three weeks, I was training pretty hard, like on my bike, a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of band work type stuff. I think like most most people have probably been doing. But um, after a while, I just said to myself, you know what, like I the season is very demanding and, you know, I put a lot of stress on my body. So now's the time to really try and relax and, and get some different type of recovery and treatment and focus on different aspects of my body and my game that I need to improve. So I think that was my main focus throughout the three months. Like I didn't touch a basketball for probably at least three months. And that's a long, long time. But for me, I'm always scared. Like when I do that, I wonder like the first day I get back to the gym, like is my shot gonna be gone? Is my touch gonna be gone? And uh, when I finally got to a gym, it was still pretty much there. So I was happy about that. But yeah, you just find different things to do. And um, I'm also doing a human resource management um, certificate at U of T online. So I started that in the summer and uh, just doing one course right now and I'll finish it up by next, hopefully next summer, so. Right on. Yeah. Emily, did you uh, stay engaged or did you take some time off as well? Yeah, I definitely took some time away yeah. from basketball. Same, same as Jared. Um, I usually, in my off season, like to take a little bit of time away from basketball just so I'm excited kind of to get back at it. Um, but this time is, is different, right? Because it was not optional. I definitely got into yoga when I first got home. I did yoga every day for like two months. I've kind of let it slide, but we'll see if I get back into it. And uh, I waited, I had to wait a couple weeks when I first got home for the snow to melt so I could do some like running outside. So I ran more miles outside than I ever want to do again um, and probably yeah. ever will. But I really um, tried to challenge myself that way to do things that I don't necessarily enjoy, like long distance running, but I think it was beneficial and it was interesting to to change up the way I trained I guess um, but I'm excited now to be back in kind of my normal training regimen and you're doing some training in our building this week through basketball Manitoba tell me just a little bit about that and with other pro, pro players right so do you do you know a lot of them do you talk to them that kind of thing what kind of dynamic is that yeah we pretty much all know each other um, work out with each other in the gym, see each other shooting. So it's nice to catch up and see how everyone's doing, what their plans maybe are for next year, how their past seasons went, that type of thing. And you can relate, um, obviously, to what they're going through and, and the lifestyle of living overseas and, and traveling because they're all doing the same thing as you. And there's not that many of us. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to have somebody that you can really relate to on that level. I want to talk to you both <coughs> playing pro in Europe um, because you both have experience doing that. Jared, you have a little more. This is you'll be your sixth season coming up, yeah. I believe. Dang, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's been there a while, right? Yeah, it's been a while. You know, if everything goes according to plan, obviously that the season would start in September, I think, right? Yeah. But um, what's the overall European experience been like for you over the last few years? It's been great. Yeah. And I think um, with all experiences, it has its ups and it has its downs. I think that's like... I always tell people, like, when I spoke to my agent and, like, the advice that he gave me before I started my career was just, like, it's very simple, but he's just, like, there's going to be some great days and there's going to be some bad days. And it's very, like, simple. You don't understand until you really get there. You know, there's some days where you're loving it and there's days where that are tough. You know, you might have had a bad game and you got to go home and you're all by yourself and you have a day off and you have the whole day to yourself and it's like, what do I do? But honestly, it's been... Uh, it's been amazing. Like, Portugal, I was there for two years and, like, I honestly feel like that's, like, 
family. Like, I'm very close with the GM. Like, the GM and his family came to see me in Spain. They came to see me in France, and we go eat, and they came to watch my game, so I'm still close with them. In Spain, I'm still close with a lot of the players on the team. Like, amazing experience. My parents, my family were able to come there. My dad used to live in Madrid when he was 18, 19, yeah. and we were able to go and see the apartment that he used to live at in Madrid. So that was just like a amazing yeah. experience to be able to do that for my parents, you know? And in France, uh, France has been great too. Um, I, like I met my girlfriend out there. We've been dating for about almost two years now. So just like the basketball aspect has been great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. like there's so many things that happen off the court, learning the culture and seeing monuments and listening or seeing the history and learning the languages and stuff like that. So it's been everything I've expected and I hope I can do it for a long time. How many languages can you speak now? I speak French fluently, and I'd say I speak probably like 40%, 50% Spanish. Okay. So I did like uh, Spanish, and I was doing it with a friend of mine when I was in college. Like, not like, it wasn't part of my course load. I, we just did it on the side because we just always wanted to speak it. And then when I got out there, um, they provided classes. So we did classes about twice a week. And to this day, I have like some apps and stuff I do online. So I'm a little rusty right now, but hopefully in the next two, three years, I can say that I speak Spanish fluently also. In terms of the team and your coaches, <coughs> is it all in English? Or is it helpful to learn those other languages? Just um, kind of the interaction of it. I've been fortunate enough for all of them have yeah. spoken English. Like, everywhere I've been, they've spoken English. But in, Fran uh, in France, like, because I speak fluent French, like, the coach would speak to me in French most of the time. Some of the players would speak to me in French. And in Spain, they, the coaches spoke English, but at times they would want to speak Spanish too. But because I was taking classes, like, for the basketball concept, it wasn't that hard to understand what they were talking about. Sure. So, yeah, it's been pretty easy transition so far. Hopefully it can stay that way. <laughs> Favorite city that you've seen in Europe? I would say between Barcelona, Madrid, Marseille, and Paris. Those four are like my top. Mm. I can't give that. Yeah. <laughs> Just the last question on this, and then I want to ask, ask Emily about Europe too. But um, the the game itself, the basketball itself, any notable differences? Like you played at the University of Calgary. Yeah. Notable differences between the Canadian game or North American game, quote unquote, and the sport in Europe in terms of the gameplay. I would say it's just way more physical. Okay. Um, thankfully, like we had a 24 second shot clock. We played the same style in CIS that we play in overseas, so it was an easy transition as far as yeah. gameplay goes. But I would say it's just way more physical like hand checking getting bumped in the lane things like that it's way more physical than it is in in cis i'd say that's the biggest difference and also from an execution standpoint depending what league you're in like the coaches expect a high level of execution and sometimes you play against teams that execute sets like perfectly so i'd say those are the two differences thinking the game and then the physical aspect of the game and even as a guard you notice that physicality oh yeah, yeah. for sure yeah, oh, yeah. emily played in Europe last season but before that I want to ask you about University of Utah because statistically I think you're the best player in that school's history for female players is that right oh, I think maybe I, she knows, I don't she know. knows. <laughs> she knows. Uh, no but what was that whole NCAA experience like playing in a division one school yeah it was a super great experience you know I wouldn't trade that for anything just um all the resources and help that you get as a Division One athlete, there's no way to, to fail. You know, you have so many people around you, um, whether it be all your coaches, your support staff, your trainers, your academic advisors, sports psychologists, nutritionists. Um, there's just so much support around you to help you with literally anything you need. Um, and it's an amazing experience to be able to travel and play other, you know, 
teams and, and schools that you, you grew up watching on TV or just hearing about um, and being a part of. So, you know, my teammates from Utah were from all over the country. So it's great to have those friends from all over the place, just like now I've made friends in Europe all over the place. But uh, cannot visit them for a while due to COVID. Maybe next, maybe next summer <laughs> I can go back there. <laughs> Did you play in any March Madness tournaments? I did not, sadly, no. That would have been a good experience, I'm sure, for you, right? So then you spent some time in Seattle. That was the WNBA, first Manitoban to sign a a WNBA contract. Was it a big adjustment from the college level to the pro level for you? Yeah, anytime you make a jump, I think it's, it's a little scary, and you might be a little bit unsure of yourself, but I think also the experiences I've had with the national team have, like, prepped me really well going from high school to college and then also college to professionally because of that European style and playing against older, faster, stronger type players. So I'm thankful that I've had that experience to kind of help like bridge the gaps in between. Mm-hmm. And then your first season in Europe last year. So it was obviously interrupted, cut short by the pandemic. But what was it like playing in the Czech Republic? Yeah, I really liked <laughs> it. I'd been to Prague before. Um, to play some exhibition games with a national team. So I was excited to go back there. I was about two hours outside of um, Prague in a city called Brno. But I really liked the country. It was nice and small, so travel's really easy, just going from game to game. I really liked my teammates. They all spoke good English. Um, yeah, it was a really great first like experience, and I got to do lots of traveling. And like Jared said, there's good days and bad days, but it's really what you make it. So. Even when there's days when you're tired or there's things you don't want to do, I always try to take advantage of those unique opportunities to go to another country just for a day because everything is so close. And those are the memories I'm going to have, you know, looking back and just take full advantage of of everything you can. You mentioned the travel. How far is the travel? Like, are the teams pretty close? Yeah, so in the Czech Republic, the furthest we need to drive for a game is three hours. And that's the whole country. Yeah. From one end to the other. So, um Going to Vienna in Austria is a two-hour train ride, so I went there for the day a couple times. So you can just hop on a train and go to Germany for yeah. a couple hours. You could go to Poland for a couple hours and then be back before bedtime. Just got one more question, <laughs> then we'll take a break. But Jared, uh, you talked about kind of the adjustment uh, physically and how it's more of a physical game. Any other challenge that you had early on in your pro career that you had to really adapt to from, from university? Not really, like... I honestly just feel it's just the physical aspect of it and also I guess just the intensity. Yeah. Like as far as like, you know, coaches can get fired, players can get yeah. uh fired. The business of it. The, the business yeah. aspect of it. I think that was kind of uh Yeah. A bit nerve wracking in the beginning because, you know, you have a couple bad games and you see your coach and the GM just kind of whispering things on the side of the yeah. court and you're like, Are they talking <laughs> about me or are they talking about the next guy, you know? <laughs> so I think early on that kinda it was a little nerve-wracking because you started, personally, I started thinking more about them uh, opposed to actually my output, what I do in practice and what I do in the games. And I think as soon as you separate those two and it's like, hey, I'm here for a reason. They saw my talent. They signed me for a reason. I'm going to do what I can do, and I can only control what I can control. Once you start focusing like that, like all that other stuff, for me personally, it just it goes away. Manitoba basketball players Emily Potter and Jared Ogungbemi Jackson are our guests on the Sport Manitoba podcast. Stay tuned for more hoops talk after a quick break. Kids Sport Manitoba is excited to have four new members on our roster of ambassadors to help get more kids off the sidelines and into the game. Curlers Shannon Burchard and Colin Hodgson 
along with NHL player Matt Calvert and Blue Bomber Thomas Miles are now all a part of our Kids Sport team. To donate or apply for assistance, visit our website at kidsportcanada.ca slash Manitoba. Millions of teeth are lost or traumatized annually during sporting activities. Custom mouth guards are recommended by the Manitoba Dental Association as the best way to protect the teeth and prevent injuries to the soft tissue of the mouth as well as the head, jaw and back. Visit your local dental office to learn more or get fitted for your custom mouth guard. Talk to your dentist. Good for you, good for life. Sport Manitoba is working together with the Sport Information Resource Centre to raise awareness about concussions. We want all of our athletes and coaches to know the signs and symptoms of a concussion so that they can be properly treated. Follow along on our social media channels at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag HeadstrongCanada. So both of you played for Team Canada. Emily, you've been at multiple events around the world. And Jared, you were part of the <coughs> university team for Team Canada, for the university players. So Emily, just to start with you, how cool was it to be a part of the, the national team with some of the best players from, from the country? Yeah, it's definitely um, something that I'll never take for granted. And when I st first started playing basketball, I always had aspirations to play in the NCAA and then maybe play professionally. But Team Canada was never something that was on my radar until I got invited to my first first camp in high school. And I was like, wow, like this is actually a possibility. Um, and it's such a great measuring stick just to play against other people. And, and being around those other great players just elevates your game so much. You know, everyone else is at the top of their game and it just, they make you better. They're giving you perfect passes. They're, you know, um, yeah. just helping you out on defense if, if you get beat. So it's definitely a team game and hope to be, you know, involved with more Team Canada teams to come after after COVID's over. <laughs> and Jared, it was the university program, Team Canada, you were involved with. Is that the extent? Have you been involved with other Team Canada's? Or no, that was it. That was yeah. the FISU Games, and yeah. I was at the Junior National Trial when I was 18. Okay. So I didn't obviously didn't make that team. But, uh, yeah, I played for FISU Games in South Korea and uh, for three weeks, and we stayed at um, Kansas's uh, campus for our training camp, stuff like that. So we scrimmaged against them at the Sprint Center twice, and we lost by, like, four points and like five points like you know and they had good players at the time they had Wayne Selden they had Frank Mason Jr they had guys who have been in the NBA and stuff yeah. like that so but like M has way more uh you know national experience than I do but just even that experience alone for me was just eye-opening uh, firstly I didn't know I was even eligible so it was a shock to me that I got selected for the team so that was amazing but just kind of like like she said like when you're in college or when you're in high school, like typically you're the guy or you're the girl on your team or there's one other player. Yeah. When you go to Team Canada and those levels, it's like everybody is the guy or everybody is the girl, right? So it's like the level that you're competing at is so much higher. Like everybody is so good. You can't make as many mistakes and it like brings out the best in you. And also just the coaching and the resources. Like I just, for those three weeks, it was like, hey, this is what it really means to play for your country. You know, and it's like everybody always says like, you know, there's nothing like playing for your country and having that thing on your chest. But like when we walked and held our flag around this stadium in South Goosebumps. Korea, right? there was, <laughs> we, it was probably, I don't know, let's say yeah. 50,000 people or something like that. And yeah. just the national anthems playing, you're carrying the flag, and you're walking around like, honestly, there's no like, that's a moment I'll never, ever forget. And that was only FISU games, you know, and not not to diminish that but that's yeah. not the national that's not olympics but it felt like that all right so that was an amazing experience is 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 team canada like is that still a goal of yours be part of another national team event in the future honestly like 
when I was a bit younger, it was. Yeah. But like, as you get older, you got to be realistic. Yeah. And I'd say Team Canada, the point guard position is probably their best. They have Corey Joseph, they have Jamal Murray, they have Pangos, they have um, Shea, Shea Gildas Alexander. They have all NBA yeah. guys. Yeah. So at this stage of my career, like, I don't think that's what I'm aiming for. But like, I do have a Nigerian passport or a Nigerian descent. So yeah. if I get that passport, um, that's more realistic to look to try and play for that team and they go to African Nations Cup they play in Olympics and things like that so that's something that's still kind of on my mind but honestly right like right now I'm just worried about trying to get to the top leagues in Europe and playing the best competitions and then hopefully national team opportunities will come after that but for me right now I'm just focused on on Europe Okay, basketball idols growing up. Jared, I got to ask you, point guard number three. Yeah. I think of Allen Iverson, and you grew up in that area. Was yeah. he your guy? Uh, when I was younger, yeah. When I was, like, between 5, 10, I would say definitely Allen Iverson. You know, I had the, what is it, the answer armband. <laughs> I used to have Corn Rose. And, <laughs> I mean, just being a small guy, right? Like, he was the guy at that time doing everything, you know, just learning the, how to cross over and being quick and being effective at a small size. But throughout my whole career, I definitely say it's been Chris Paul. He's kind of been my my guy that I look to uh, for everything. I've been watching his highlights since I was probably literally in grade 8, 9, 10. And I still do to this day just because I feel like I can – if there's anybody I can relate to, it's more him because he's not the fastest. He's not the most athletic. He's not the strongest. So he, But he just knows how to be effective with his skill set, and that's something that I try to do because I feel like – I'm in a similar uh, boat as far as height and athleticism and speed and stuff. So he's the guy that I look to. Emily. This guy said he's not athletic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not that athletic. <laughs> uh, Emily, favorite player growing up? Yeah, so I feel like I'm going to go a little sideways with this answer. But I never really um, grew up, I guess, like idolizing one player as far as like WNBA or, or NBA players goes. But... Um, growing up, obviously, like my sisters and my family members, I thought they were just the greatest at basketball ever. Um, and I grew up playing for the Junior Bisons program. So the coaches and players that they had on their team when I was growing up were definitely women that I looked up to. And even today, uh, Michelle Sung now coaches for the Bisons, um, you know, like used to help and coach with me and Sarah Lundgren, who still coaches high school teams and just other um, women that were involved with that program when I was, let's say, in grade seven, just starting basketball. And I could see them. They were in university, and that seemed like the coolest thing to me at the time. And I loved um, watching them and, and just learning from them. So definitely um, just local local players and other university players that I aspire to be like. Right on. I want to ask you, too, a little bit about your work with mental health. And you don't have to go into crazy detail as you have in the past, but just you've kind of become an advocate with that. Um, has that changed your perspective on the sport and as an athlete? It definitely has. I think um, growing up, you're, you're taught to be mentally tough and, and don't show emotion. And um, I think there's, there's a time and place for those types of things on the court. But I definitely am much more aware of myself and, and others playing and um, I always try to tell young kids that I'm working with, like, it's about, it's about having fun at the end of the day. You know, that's why I play basketball to this day. If I didn't love it, I would quit it, even though I have, you know, the ability and opportunity for it to be my job. If I didn't love it, I couldn't do it. So I want the game to be first and foremost about love and, and not about too much pressure um, being put on themselves and, and all that the way to the world, because it's just a game. Right now we've seen sport all over the world has been canceled because it's a game, it's, it's not essential, it's not a necessity. And I think that helps put in perspective um, 
for me for sure to play and just enjoy it for for the for the love of the game it's it's not life or death playing basketball and especially young kids we don't need to be putting um all this pressure on them to you know make it d1 or you know it's okay if they just play for fun and um it can be really damaging to put all expectations whether it's parents or kids on themselves to to be a certain way or do a certain thing and just not enjoy the game Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a segue into my next question, which is advice for whether it be other young aspiring basketball players or athletes in general. Obviously, both of you went pro. So just in terms of maybe more practical things, Emily, any other things you would you would pass along to the kids that you that you work with? I would definitely say it's it's not just about your time on the court. Yeah. So that's when I started taking basketball more seriously. It's about your training off the court, whether it's weight training, conditioning. It's about what you're eating. It's about how much you're sleeping and, and your rest time. So that's been really big for me. Sometimes people are all about no days off. You know, you got to grind 24-7. And I totally respect that. But what works for you won't always um, work for others. And you need to trust in yourself that the path that you're going to take is going to get you to where you want to go. So... Um, it's, it's all encompassing your, your body is your machine to play basketball and you need to take care of it in all aspects, not just on the court. And Jared, you did some work in the community in Calgary while you were there. Just what kind of messages do you like passing along? Um, just kind of based like shooting off what, uh, Emily said is that, uh, I think for young kids, it's seriously about, the, it's gotta be about the love of the game yeah. and like all the camps that I've done here in Winnipeg and stuff like that, like. I train the kids hard, but at the end of the day, I want them to have fun because that's what that's what it was for me, you know. And if I wasn't a professional, I would still be on a court outside playing today. So it's like I think there's a lot more trainers. There's a lot more pressure from parents and coaches and D1 and AU and prep school. And these are the things that I didn't have growing up. And I understand that now that parents and kids have access to it, there's kind of that pressure to want to do it. But it's like you got to make sure your, your kid loves the game and enjoys being there let them love the game and then incorporate those things i think that's really big from a young age and also kind of like emily said it's not just basketball and i think it's a lifestyle like to become a professional it's a lifestyle so for me like i always knew i wanted to be a pro from a young age so when i was in college i was already starting to watch what i eat how i sleep how much water am I getting per day? Am I eating my veggies? Am I getting the right nutrients, the right calories? All of that. It's literally, to me, it's a lifestyle. You know, especially for me, I don't, being a 5'10", 5'11 guard, it's not like you're guaranteed to make it, right? So for me, I felt the pressure to even have to do those things at a higher degree than maybe the other person who was more athletic or 6'5", or 6'8", or whatever, right? So it's it's really treating it like a lifestyle. Everything you do, approach it that way. If, if your goal is to become a professional, I believe you have to treat it that way and you'll give yourself the best opportunity to do so. I was going to ask you about your heights, just to clarify. So 5'10", 5'11", that's 5'10", I think you were listed on Canada Basketball. That's yeah, accurate. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, I think, I think they had you at 6'4". I'm a 6'5". Okay, 6'5". Six six okay, good. Good to clarify that. Uh, okay, so that's that's advice for other players. I want to now put you both on the spot here a little bit. I know you don't know each other that well, but you are familiar with each other's careers. So, Emily, any kind of question for Jared that, that you have related to basketball or his kind of career experience so far that, that you'd like to, to ask? Um, I guess I would just ask, since you've been playing for, for so much longer than I have, six years overseas, if you've had um, times where you've already thought about retiring or just like that kind of experience of playing and if you've always known that you wanted to keep going or ups and downs within like this the six seasons. I've never had a thought of retiring. Not yet. Like for me... 
this is my passion, like basketball is my everything. So I've always wanted to keep playing. I don't want to play till I'm 40, but I would <laughs> like to play into my, you know, mid-30s if possible and if the opportunity presents itself. But I have focused more on, like the first two years, like you have all this free time that you've never had before. So yeah. I definitely kind of took advantage of that and enjoyed it. But the last three, four years, I've really started to focus on what am I going to do after yeah. and trying to get additional schooling while I'm out there, online program, certificate, things like that, and starting to just prepare myself for life after basketball and what that looks like. So I think, you know, that would be my biggest thing. Anything for Emily, Jared? <laughs> Man, I can ask Amelia. She has a lot of, a lot of uh, experience. I would just ask, what's the most noticeable difference you see when you when you're with the WNBA, like as far as the way they approach the game and the way they coach the game, what is it that like maybe they're teaching there that you maybe didn't receive in high school or at the college level, or do you feel like it's similar? Yeah, I think just the level of professionalism was just 100% noticeable, and that trickles over a little bit into professionally as well. And in, in university and in NCAA, at least sometimes there's a little bit of handholding. Yeah. And when you get to an age where you're like, okay, I'm I'm a junior, I'm a senior, mm -hmm. I know what I need to do, um, kind of get out of my way. Mm -hmm. So after university, going to that training camp, definitely was like everyone just was super professional with everything that they were doing. And you come in, you do your work. You, you sign up for the things that you need, and other than that, your, your time is yours. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I guess, the the attention to detail, I think, is probably the highest at the WNBA and, and the national team that um, as well that I've experienced. It's not just about running plays or mm -hmm. the ins and outs in basketballs. It's very, like very fine things that you're tweaking. Everyone knows how to play basketball at that yeah, level. Everybody yeah. knows what to do. They can all play, so it's just really focusing on, on small things. On the details, yeah. yeah. Uh, Emily, do you have a favorite moment in your career at this point, or favorite event, favorite favorite thing you've been a part of? Yeah, that's <laughs> a hard question. You know, there's there's definitely games that I, I couldn't remember if you if you told me that we played that team. You know, it, sometimes it all jumbles together. There's different moments in, in university that, that um, kind of like jump out at me for um, different rivalries, but... Same with like professionally and rivalries and the national team. I think um, in 2016, I had my first opportunity to train with the senior team. So I spent the summer training with the senior team and we played some exhibition games in Europe as well as in Edmonton. So I think that was, that was pretty crazy. We had our first game, I think we were in Spain or France and it was my first time um, suiting up with the senior national team and just listening to the national anthem when you're all lined up mm -hmm. with them and playing against um, that other team it's it's just a crazy it's a crazy experience and yeah so I was training with all those girls that ended up going to Rio I was just kind of like filling in for the summer and, and gaining experience but yeah that was a pretty surreal moment because I did not expect it happening at all. Jared favorite moment would it be the Team Canada experience you talked about earlier or something else? Uh, yeah I would say like off the court or just overall yeah probably the Team Canada experience yeah. as far as just being in South Korea was just like <laughs> crazy and then seeing what 40 different countries, people playing ping pong, people playing fencing, soccer, track and field, all types of sports. Like just seeing that and knowing that, okay, we're dedicated to basketball, but these people are also dedicated to other sports that they're passionate about. That was just like an amazing, amazing experience. Like just, that's something that I'll never, 
I'll never forget. And like, as far as like on the court, I honestly still feel like high school has been my f- like funnest time. Like, yeah. also because I won championships. <laughs> like Garden know, City, yeah. Garden City, we won provincials. We were the first, you know, the first ones in Garden City history. And yeah. you know, obviously, it was you know an important player for the team. So I think like as far as the fun aspect goes, like I had a lot of fun playing in in high school oh. and some of the tournaments and stuff. And, Europe is definitely fun too, but it's it's a little it's different, right? It's more professional aspect to it too, and a little bit more on the line. And uh, yeah, do you win back to back in Garden City? Yeah, back to back provincial back, titles. Yeah, yeah, eleven and twelve, grade eleven and twelve. Yeah. Okay, goals for the future. I mean, I imagine you both have checked a lot of them off already since you have both reached the pro level. But uh, Jared, any other aspirations for the future in particular? Basketball related, um, I definitely want to get to one of the top leagues like that's my goal like whether it's top league france germany spain that's where i want to be like some of the best leagues in europe that's my goal so i'm i'm close i think i'm very i'm on the cusp of that hopefully you know after this year if we if i show well you know that's been a goal of mine for a long long time just to say that i i did that would be you know a big moment for me and my family and just for young kids in the city and stuff like that i get a lot of kids that text me on Instagram and stuff and ask me for advice and stuff like that. And it's like, if I'm being a good role model for them and giving them inspiration, I know that I'm doing, you know, my job. Um, as far as like off the court, honestly, I just want to be like a family man, like, you know, have family with kids and house and stuff like that. And I'm not sure where I'm going to be living or what I'm going to be doing. You know, I have an interest for, you know, uh, broadcasting and speaking and being in front of microphone and being in front of the camera. I think um, I'm very comfortable in that setting. So. You know, whether that's, you know, potentially being a GM or potentially being a spokesman for a company or things like that. Like, that's something that really interests me. So still trying to figure out exactly what it is I want to do. But, uh, yeah, just having a family and being a family man is something that... <laughs> well, I'm, look, I'm looking for a co-host here. So yeah. maybe we can sign up for this podcast <laughs> yeah, in the we'll future. See, yeah. <laughs> uh, Emily, off the court, on the court, goals for the future? Yeah, I think for me... Um my goal is still to make it to the Olympics, and 2021 now is a little bit out of reach. So 2024 is where I'm setting my sights, and if I keep um, progressing with the national team and that's uh, still an opportunity available to me, I would love to do that. And then hopefully I'll be able to retire on my terms. I would not want to leave basketball, um, knock on wood, with, with an injury because I've dealt with some injuries in the past, so I want to be able to, to leave the sport when I'm ready. And in the meantime, if, if I decide I don't want to play anymore, I, I'll also do that and be completely fine. Um, but yeah, I'd like to play for, for four more years and then, you know, settle down. Um, I'm starting my master's in psychology online this fall. So taking advantage of that free time after sure. having so much free time um, this past season, I was like, yeah, I've been out of university for a couple of years. I'm ready to go back. So just exploring that and seeing if, if I like that um, and staying involved. Um, and like mental health fundraisers and, and things like that, um, and staying involved with you know youth and sports and, and basketball Manitoba. Well, thank you both for coming on, and all the best with your basketball careers moving forward. Thanks for having us. I thank you. It. Thanks again to pro basketball players Emily Potter and Jared Ogunbemi Jackson for being a part of our first basketball episode here on the Sport Manitoba podcast, and we wish them the best as they move forward in their careers. If you like this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast. All of our episodes are available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media. It's at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you know of somebody who you think would make for a good guest on our podcast, 
whether it's an athlete coach or somebody else involved in sport, you can email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. We do it once a month, so look for our next episode in August. I'm Nolan Cole. Thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba Podcast.